0: Welcome back to another episode of the HR Leaders Podcast, the show where we explore the future of work with industry experts and HR executives and the world's leading global brands. Today we're joined by Jerry Doris, who's the Chief People Officer at Delivery Hero. Uh, welcome to the show, Jerry. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, well, appreciate you joining us. It's been a, it's been a while since we last chatted, and given the current events, um, when I saw this coming up in my diary, I was like really excited, <laughs> even more excited, given what's happening in your own business as well. Well, And uh, just really, really excited to hear your perspective and, and uh, to learn more really about what's happening. But before we jump in, tell us one a little bit about yourself personally, and then just some context and background to the business, just for people that may not be aware of it.
1: So as Chris mentioned, my name is Jerry Doris and I am the chief people officer um, here at Delivery Hero. We're based in Berlin, Germany, um, and we are the world's largest food delivery business in the world outside of China. Um, and so we deliver things outside, you know, just not only food, but we also deliver groceries. We recently pivoted in, into uh, drinks, flowers, etc. cetera. It really depends on on the market. So I've been here for a little over two, almost two and a half years. I relocated, as you can tell from my accent, I relocated from the U.S. I was actually based in the Bay Area and relo- relocated to Berlin for this job.
0: Wow. I didn't even know, realize that you pivoted to those other offerings um, yeah. as well. Wow.
1: Yeah, was, I mean, we originally started, I mean, several years ago as a marketplace for food delivery. And we had in 2019, so about a year ago, started to um, what we call D Marts. So they're dark stores, they're grocery stores, which, and they're smaller in nature. Um, they have about 2,000 uh, SKUs and um, they're really quick, we call it quick commerce, Q commerce. And so it's quick delivery. It's about, you know, 15 to 20 minute delivery. Um, and we started to pivot into that last year and it, and, and through this pandemic, it's been actually a part of our business that has seen quite a bit of activity because people need essential goods. They need, yeah. they still need food, their home. And so, um, that's something that we've been accelerating over the last, um, the last couple months. And so, but before mm-hmm. that, we had already been looking and testing different markets. And, um, for example, in our Latin American business, which is called Petadocia. um, one of our largest uh, delivery items is drinks and at uh, different hours, as you can probably imagine. But of course it's food and, and whatnot. But um yeah, we we that's why we call ourselves actually the, the largest local delivery business because we really do take a localized approach in terms of our overall business strategy.
0: Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. Is it is it not like in the UK where you have the laws that you can't deliver after a certain amount of time? Or it's I like mean, eleven PM yeah.
1: Yeah, and that, in in our Middle Eastern business, you can imagine it probably is different things that we deliver, especially right now during Ramadan. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, it it is completely locally based, whether or not we can deliver tobacco or we deliver types of food, etc. Very complex
0: then, must be, there's a lot of moving parts.
1: Well, of course. I mean that—that that is that is the beauty and also the challenge in a in a massively diverse um, and uh, you know we're in over forty two markets. Actually, we have eighteen brands, over forty two different countries, and each country's different, right? Um, the local flavor, the local need is different, and that's why I really try to. That's why, yeah, and that's why most most people don't know our brand, right? Because Delivery Hero is the corporate brand, um, but in the local the local side, we we really I, try I to. The,
0: yeah, you know the brand in your local market. <laughs> So, so tell me a bit more about how the current events has kind of disrupted your own industry and uh, the effects of that. Because I was going to ask you earlier in this call uh, when we first introduced you, how many employees? But I'm sure that's changed yeah. <laughs> in the last few months.
1: I actually about fell over when I saw the recent numbers of our writers, for example. Um, so you know the number of writers has has. It's been exponential over the last um, last couple months, and it's. I think the last number I saw was six hundred fifty thousand globally. Those are the ones that are in the front lines, that are delivering the goods, that are really going above and beyond. And so, I mean, we've had to pivot very quickly as a business in terms of making sure everybody in our delivery ecosystem was safe. Yeah, obviously, the restaurant partners, to our riders, and to our customers, etc. So, I mean, we we early we saw this coming very early on. Um, you know, we we had that that benefit. But we we're, we're a big player in in Asia, both in Korea and outside of um, across a- Asia Pacific, and so we had been kind of watching this come, and so we had to pivot um, pretty quickly on and do contactless delivery, um, contactless payment because cash was still quite popular. Yep. Um, in several markets, and so, um, but also institute hygiene factors that were just really important—from masks to to sanitation to hand sanitizer, etc. And so, um, but there's been also a lot of, um, uh, I think, local norms that we've had to take into a, into it um, to effect because in the Middle East, um, in a lot of our markets, they didn't like us to leave the bag on the ground, so. You know, how do we how do we make sure that we take that into consideration when we're keeping everybody safe, doing a contactless delivery, etc. On top of that, it's been an opportunity for us to also get back in the communities in which we operate. Right. Because, um, you know, food insecurity has become a really big thing during this time. We also have a lot of elderly that are at risk or just, you know, populations in, in general that are at risk for not being able to have access to food. And, and also our writers are also at risk. Um, a, a lot of them um, are in, on a freelancer basis and so they don't have the, the support from the government. So we, we, we recently announced that we put together a, a writer relief fund for those who may not have um, the benefits su- um, supported by their government Or insurance, et cetera. So making sure that we're trying to do our part um, and give back to the communities in which we operate. Also local economies, right? I mean, local economies are being so, so impacted during this time. Um, And so making sure that we are trying to give restaurants who aren't on our platform, uh, easy access to our platform, um, because they've needed to pivot their business model, right? They've gone yeah. off online, um, and that might be really new and kind of scary for them. And so, making sure that it is not cost prohibitive for them to do that, making sure it's easy for them to do that, and really providing them resources to do that. So, it's been a learning experience. Um, it's been amazing to also watch our team members across the world really come together on a, you know, in a unified and in, in a unified way.
0: It's great to hear that you and and because CSR is also part of your role, right? CSR and very important to you as well, per, both personally and professionally.
1: Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I, I asked for it. <laughs> I think I get asked Who all the time. For that? <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're like, I get asked all the time. My remit's a little bit different. So I do see corporate social responsibility um, as well as corporate communication since we aren't a consumer brand. Um, it's more of a corporate brand. And we really see the the benefit of tying communications with the overall narrative and storyline for us. And so um, it was a new area for me. It's been a learning experience, but it's been one that's been super rewarding, um, especially during this time to really kind of make sure that we're getting our message out there on how we can help. Um, but yeah, corporate social responsibility is something that is near and dear to my heart. It is something that is a at the forefront of our ambitions when we think of it as a business. And so um, I always get asked, like, how did you, why (laughs) Berlin's wonderful for anybody who's worried. um, But I always get asked, like, why would you move from San Francisco, the heart of San Francisco to to Berlin, Germany? And um, and it was a conversation I had with Nicholas, our CEO. And I, you know, I asked him. At that time, um, Delivery Hero had just gone public. It was July of 2017. We went public in June of 2017. And um, with most CEO founders, they're usually working towards a goal. And I asked him, I said, you've gone public. You've created or established a very successful business at that time. So what are you working towards? Like, what's your goal? And he said to me, he's like, I'm trying to create a company which my kids are proud of. Um, And to me, that worked, right? That like that resonated with me. And, um, and it was authentic, right? And so he's really, he's really meant, (laughs) he's really meant that. Um, Mm -hmm. And is a big piece of that. And I think, um, as we both know, um, today, people want to be able to tie tie what they do with the purpose.
0: Their why. And
1: what's their why? What is your why? What gets you, you know, driven every day? And no better way to do that than be able to really be part of a company which you're proud of, and um, we work we work every day towards that, right? And, and some days we do better than others, but um, you know, CSR when it comes to employee engagement, there's a direct correlation, and I think it's a real opportunity. I'm a big believer that I think CSR should sit with people ops and the people ops um, organization because there is a direct correlation with engagement um, and purpose. And 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 your CSR strategy. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been it's been really fun to, to to manage that strategy and work with some really amazing people.
0: Yeah, and just to give people a bit of context, you know, we, we mentioned the number six hundred thousand plus riders. <laughs> what was that beforehand to what it is now over the last few months, roughly? And let's talk a bit I more how you managed to do that, which is an amazing story in its own. Scaling so quickly, what did that look like from a logistical technical point of view?
1: Right. I mean, we, we fluctuate when it comes to our writer population throughout the year. And I, I, I don't know offhand what the number was prior to that. Um, and you know, we always try to take the last couple of weeks of what is it, you know, how many writers have actually stayed on, on, and, and, um, you know, so we, it's, it's always, going one way or the other. Um, and so, you know, writers are one population and then we think about our, our our workforce that's, you know, our product and engineering, trying to pivot that app, the product experience, how do mm-hmm. we move to contactless delivery, etc.? When I started um, here at Delivery Hero, we were about 5,000. Um, and I think our writer base was maybe 20,000 at that time. So just to kind of, and I could be wrong. I-
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah we, we understand, like, trying to keep yeah. track of that, we're not asking exact numbers. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I do think I mean I, I I think it's one of those things where you make sure your product can handle the growth, and I think there's been a lot of teams that have worked really really hard on on our rider app and making sure that we're we're um, quickly onboarding our riders so that they can get out there and 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 do what they do, and, and they're such a massive important part of our our overall ecosystem. So there's different ways to do both, but I mean I think you do it through really amazing teams, and that's the only way to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. But so. Uh... That was twenty thousand back in how many years ago? Two and a half. Two and a half, and then you are at now six hundred thousand. Yeah. So yeah, with <laughs> Tracy, and,
1: and I would say our our um our employee population for within our business um oh, okay. has gone from five thousand to um I think the last numbers I saw I mean we were three times that now so um and that's in two and a half years. So I um, I think it's really important. <laughs> You're like, well, well that's 15,000. So 15 to 20,000, it, it depends yeah. on our call centers, et cetera, our customer care, et cetera. Um, and I mean, the way that you do that is to make sure, I mean, this was one of the things when I started um, here at Delivery Hero, there wasn't really a people strategy. And Nicholas was very honest about that. He's like, listen, like we're already publicly traded.
0: We haven't really focused on pe- on the people strategy, but we have a it's lot of people. Though, right? That's quite common. You know, it's quite common yeah. for a lot of yeah. businesses in this space. I've seen that just from my conversations.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think typically, and this is the guidance I always give to startup startup founders, always like, when is the right time to hire a um, you know a head of people? And I mean, we look different depending on what stage you're in. And we all have different things in which we like to do. I don't know how common it is to to hire somebody after you go public, <laughs> I usually it's friend of before, but it's fine. I mean, it it turned out to be really a, um, you know, it's been, this has been my most rewarding role to date. Um, And I think it will be my most rewarding role probably in my entire career. I know that's hard to say, but I really do believe that. Um, And I mean, I think one of the things that I did early on was just create a vision for our people ops organization because it was so easy to want to do everything, right? It's so easy to want to prioritize everything. And I think the thing that people need to be able to, to know is like, where are we going? Like, what are, what are we working towards? And at the time, our company vision was to, um, to create a, an amazing takeaway experience. We pivoted and now say creating an amazing, um, always creating an, an amazing experience because we deliver more than just takeaway. But I, I just kind of took a derivative from that, right? And I said, hey, our North Star is to create an amazing employee experience. That is something that we we still use today, right? We evaluate all of our projects. Does it get us closer to that vision? If not, then we don't do them. Same goes with hiring, right? Is making sure that you're putting in process that creates an amazing candidate experience. Because if you don't create an amazing candidate experience, then you're not probably gonna convert that candidate. And so it's really important to make sure your process is is, is agile, is adaptive, um, but it also identifies what matters most to you. And so we, we, we instituted and we put in our, our values and part of our, um, our hiring process. And that's how you also scale, scale your, your, your culture or what matters most to you. And so we started with our vision and we kind of worked on creating a foundation and going from there. And that was really what was important in the overall process. And, um, it's still something that we use today. So, um, you know, of course, with any vision, you can iterate on it in the future, and we probably will. Um, I don't know that we'll ever create. You know, our goal is always aspirational, right? To create that amazing employee experience, um, and I think it's important to have an aspirational vision so that we know where we're going.
0: Yeah, but I love that though because that, that's something which really helps me in terms of operating from your why and your your purpose. Is it's so so much easier to make decisions because it's very easy to say, "Are we hiring against this?" So you just kind of use that as a foundation for everything um and it doesn't matter how big you are or how big you scale you can always go back to that and say you know, is this aligned with our why and our purpose if not the answer is no we move on it, it's not the right decision and i love that and it's really helped me to understand where we're going and obviously it does change a little bit as you pivot the business and things can change but it's always good to to, to have to have that in place and that's what I was actually going to ask you next is you know you we spoke last time and you used really passionate about scaling culture
1: by hiring
0: against values. Can you talk a bit more about how you do that from a technical standpoint? What does that look like?
1: The thing that was really important to me with the values part was to make sure that you don't over prescribe it. Because I think we so often within, especially within the people, people or HR, um, we like to put a handbook together and we can do it's like, you know, we check the boxes and yeah. that, that's how we do it. And then we write a policy on it, right? Which I hate policies. I like guidelines, call whatever you want. But I I think it's important to know that people are people, right? And that looks and feels so differently. Um, But I think at the end of the day, when we thought about our values, um, we wanted them to, you know, we wanted them to be authentic. And um, I think often with values, and you can do values, whatever way, Make sense for you, but I think as long as they're authentic, that's when they make that they really can stick. And so, um, you know, our values are we deliver solutions, we always aim higher, and we are heroes because we care, um, and heroes because deliver hero. We call our employees heroes, okay. and um, this kind of embodies everything. And so, there's different ways that you can easily ask um, candidates questions on hey, when have you, you know, complex problem found a solution? When have you iterated on a solution? when have you shown somebody that you care, you care, you know, by stepping in or, um, you know, ultimately we want to make sure we care about our community. We care about our employees, we care about our, our consumers. And, um, and, and that's important for us to see within our candidates. And so, yeah, I mean, I think making sure you put it in your people processes, that's the way the values stick. So hiring is clearly one of those areas. We are growing exponentially. We are still hiring. We're in a fortunate position to be continuing to hiring. Um, here in Berlin, we, I mean, we are um, we have a, a target of hiring about, you know, um, between 15 to 20 product and tech um, people a week. Um, that's just product. And tech. We probably do close to 50 a week of, of hires. And so it's important to scale.
0: Is that just for you internally? That's not riders.
1: And that's not riders. That's just here that's in cool. Berlin. So that's not that's including.
0: You must be doing?
1: Yeah, and that's where our, our our um writer our marketing team gets involved to make sure that we are putting out um you know different ads in different places. So we and are really
0: cool. the They have like a rider version of the app where they can sign up. And is that how it works? I don't yeah. actually know.
1: You're right. you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's a writer app um, and and that's a lot of competition. I don't think people talk about that that writer apps are also an an area of competition. And so it's important for us to invest and get some of the best product and tech people out there globally to work on on this app. Because, I mean, our writer app is so key to making sure that, um, you know, our writers know where to go. It gets super technical, Um, you know, the from a a geolocation perspective, because we are operating anywhere from the Philippines to, you know, UAE and Dubai. Right. So, I mean, it is literally all over the world. And so I'm making sure that we have the right product and tech people and that we're hiring the best and brightest. So, um, you know, values are are one way that we do that. And we make sure that we put in the rest of our people processes because we need to reiterate that they matter to us. It's one thing up on the wall. It's another thing to say that they're really important. It's one thing to say, hey, we hire against them. But if you're not actually evaluating the what and the how and the how is is our values, then they just be kind of, kind of stuff that you talk about.
0: What, what are some of the ways that you're um, personalizing the employee experience?
1: Our, our vision is is to create an amazing employee experience. And um, I get asked that question all the time. It's like, all right, what does that look like? Uh, what does amazing look like? And I'm like, well, you tell me. Um, Because I can't I can I can make an assumption. I can make a, a, you know, a data informed assumption on what that may or may not look like. And I view I view employees that they're no different than consumers. Right. We're all consumers at the end of the day. And one of our areas in which we always say with our consumers is that we need to provide choice. Right. So we have over five hundred thousand, a half a million restaurants on our platform globally. Right. And we believe that that is a differentiator for us, that we provide choice to our consumers. Employees are no different than that. Right. We need to provide them choice. Um, I would say before this work from home situation, I, I always said, hey, we need to provide them choice on where and how they work. Um, so may that be at home. May that be on a sofa at work. May that be in a stand up desk, whatever it may look like. If you come and see our offices here in Berlin. We really are going through this metamorphosis of, of providing options for places to work. Um, and so I really do think people give their best in different ways and work. Workplace strategy is a really big, um, big area of that, and I think it's an underplayed. <laughs> it's an underplayed part of your environment, um, and so that's one way of giving choice. Benefits, of course, are another one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and and you know, and, and learning is another part of it, which I know that you and I will talk about later this week. Is is learning, <laughs> and I think you have to understand that people's best looks different. Um, people, the way that people learn is different. And the way that people work is different and providing them choices so that they can choose um, is really important so they can bring their best every day.
0: Yeah, that's a good example used, by the way, because I found uh, in terms of working from home and the, the choices, because I have found so many friends of mine that used to say to me, I'd love to work from home. I'd love to work from home. Who have over the last few weeks saying, I cannot wait to go back to work. <laughs> I cannot wait to be in an office. I hate being at home on my own. I I feel isolated. I feel, you know, I miss that water cooler chat. I miss that. And these are the same people that go, Chris, you know, you're, you run your own business. You get to be flexible. You're so lucky. And they're literally dying to go back to work and see their peers. The same people that were telling me before, they'd love to work from home. You know what I
1: think is interesting? And I do think that um, having spoken to a lot of my peers in, in, in in, in the industry, we often, I know, um, other chief people officers, CHROs have been really pushing the virtual work and often we get resistance in this, right? And I think it's so often we, we hear, oh, they won't be productive at home. I can't measure their productivity, etc." Um, and I, I think we were really trying to capitalize on this opportunity, right? Like we are in a unique environment, so we've been trying to capture our employees, um, a voice, right? So we've been sending out feedback. Hey, how are you guys doing? Are you getting the right information? Are you set up for success at home? And what we've found is only 1% want to work from the office every day. So this is our Berlin 100%. based just, data, just
0: 1%. Was that a surprise to you?
1: It was a surprise to me. I, I definitely thought that I would have more people because I know what my peers and they're going to hate that I say this, my peers with the rest of the, the, the rest of the executives, um, they quite like working from home and they were, you're able to really focus. And I totally understand it again, it's choice. Um, but to me, I have always worked one day from home. It's my Fridays. I usually make it my meeting free day. Um, and I call it my sanity day. Right, because I know that's the day that I can just laser focus on a project, or, yeah. and, and and knock out my my inbox. So this is a unique environment to really test out work from home because a lot of us have multiple um, uh, priorities at home. I know that you have a little little lady at home. Um, I have two kids myself, and so um, I think this isn't the best environment to test it out. Um, but I do think I do think. Um, I think it's an opportunity for us to really try to push the choice piece for yeah. the, the rest of uh, those that, that look out for a workplace strategy because, again, like we can't assume that what works for us will work for somebody else. And just like our, just like we as consumers want choice, our employees are no different. Making sure that you're getting their voice, that you're evaluating their voice, and you're working on that data is really important um, in that mm-hmm.
0: process. When you reached yeah. out to the, the, your employees and said, how can we best support you? What was some of the other feedback you got or some of the things that you have suggested to help them
1: one of the other things and we talked a little bit about this before was we wanted to check in on their mental health right because i think we so often are like um are focused on the parents which i can empathize with um <laughs> uh, what has been scary for me is just really thinking about my employees who are by themselves right this is very isolating and here in berlin uh, our office is you know we have we, we you know have 80, over 80 nationalities represented in our office here in Berlin. So we are a very diverse environment. Um, and so we wanted to check in on their mental health because most of us, myself included, I'm originally from the U.S., we can't physically make it home. So, if anything happens in, in, in your home country and not getting be able to get back, that's really kind of isolating, right? You're not close to friends and family. We had quite a few that had just moved here for this job. Um, so, it was important for us to check in on their well being. So, we, we we asked, like, hey, how are you doing? We had little icons on like sunshine, rainy, et cetera. Um, and it's because we wanted to tap into that. And I think I had mentioned to you, we had recently um, given free subscriptions here for our Berlin based. Um, Team for for mindfulness and mental health
0: app, and
1: um, there's lots of them out there. I'm not going to endorse any of them. There's plenty um, out there.
0: To give you. a shout out. By the way, I'm using the same one, so
1: <laughs> yeah. um, I use it daily. So I really recommend it. It's just a way for you just to kind of center yourself and, and create a routine around it. But yeah, I mean, we wanted to check in on their mental health, and that was really important. The other thing was one we wanted to know as a company, like how well are we doing in communicating? Did they feel supported? Did they understand what we were doing? Did they understand the reason? why we were making these decisions right because we go back to the why the Why um,
0: exactly yeah
1: Yeah. i mean the why is so important and i think that that's the <laughs> that's the, the thing that most leaders under underestimate is the why um the why in our communication so we asked how are we doing what kind of information do they need to know and then we also asked about benefits it goes back to the choice piece, right? Like what additional benefits do you need in order to do your job? And then the the last but not least, um, the main topic for me that I feel is uh, outside of workplace and and, and making sure people mental health is, is in check is performance. I know that we're not unique in this. A lot of companies move into their performance management process in mid-year. And how do we evaluate performance in this, in this environment? How do we do it in a non-biased way that we make sure that we are setting our team up for success? Success, that we're having meaningful conversations that are focused on growth right so so yeah I mean I think if they're, they're complex conversations and they're complex questions in which there is no right answer to but I've it's, like, it before. <laughs> it's
0: the mean, whole There's, no, right. playbook.
1: <laughs> right.
0: there's, no, there's no playbook
1: but it was a lot of great feedback that our, our, are <laughs> I will say that is one thing that I I am always very um, grateful for is that our employees feel free to provide us transparent feedback and um, I think we asked for it, therefore we should be ready for it. And um, so, yeah, it's been it was, it's been great ways to to get and solicit feedback and use that data to to make informed decisions.
0: Yeah, that's part of the culture that you built, though. It only works though when you actually do something about it, though. That's the that's where I see a lot of companies going wrong: sending out their their surveys and then they get the feedback and then nothing yeah. ever happens. That's the worst thing you can do.
1: No, and I, I mean I I don't know. I mean I think it's one of those things also being transparent and being open and and really creating spaces for people. And that goes along with our CSR strategy because one of our pillars is diversity inclusion and inclusivity is is really important in providing space. And I remember having a conversation with um, our CTO here. um, And I said, you know, how exhausting must it be? You know, I remember going back in the days, like when I first was starting to work and um, I worked in consulting and I had my professional self and then I had my outside of work self. And we always talked about that, like professionalism. And, you know, I I used to go suited and booted is what we called it. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a UK term. I'm pretty sure.
0: Exactly, that is a UK term.
1: Yeah. American term, but um, my first boss was was British. and there, there okay. you go. <laughs> um, and you know, I I just remember having these two selves, right? And I'm like, these days, like, you bring your whole self. I think it was Sheryl Sandberg that that has coined that term. But um, how exhausting is it to have, like, you know? one version of yourself and then another version of yourself and and at work i want to try to create a a a delivery euro a a space where people just feel they can be themselves um that we are respectable and that we all we we care about each other but at the end of the day you don't have to wear a different shelf version of yourself um when you come into the office because that can be exhausting and at the end of the day we want to be able to to give our our best both at home and at work and so um so yeah so anyways i I could get
0: years by the way when I first yep. had joined, I got my first job in the city, I really struggled with that because I came from a very poor area of East London and I had a certain accent. So mm-hmm. I, all of a sudden I created this facade where I, as soon as Chris got you know to London Bridge and got off the train, I was this guy in the suit, clean shaven, handkerchief, tie. And I spoke a little bit differently and I acted a different way and it was exhausting. And unfortunately, the culture of the business I worked in, that was also expected. Yeah that you conform to this avatar of what of what they said a sales executive in that in that particular role should be, should sound, should look like. And it, it was really exhausting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think authenticity is not underrated these days. I think Brene Brown um, talks about yes. it a little bit in her books. And it wouldn't be a podcast if I wasn't going to drop at least one book in it. So um, I am an yeah. avid person. I read over 60 books a year. Um, and I really? love that. Uh, yeah, over sixty. Wow. I have two kids that monopolize the TV. So
0: what else am I gonna do? Um yeah. i like right. a podcast guy as you probably can tell. I don't know how many I listen to every year. Every year, but yeah. I listen to a lot. Like because it's, for me, it's, it's, it's I can do it multitasking. Um, I could be in yeah. the gym, out for a run, in the shower. I've even got a podcast speaker in the shower. No, where wherever I am, I'm like consuming, 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 consuming. Right? Yeah. So the- I struggle actually i it depends you know what different things work for different people
1: absolutely and but i you know I think um the being vulnerable but being also being just authentic is so so key, and I think that was one of the you know podcasts there's a lot of podcasts out there on there, there's a lot of books out there on it um but I do think it's one of those things that it does take some time, and I hope that people that are you know starting out in their career that they have the confidence in that with me you know Knowing that I was trying to move into an executive role, being female, and I was often the only woman in in the room, right? Um, and or I, I'm I'm from the south. I um, I had a very strong accent <laughs> growing up, so I hear you on that. Um, and I think you know you so often try to to dilute a little bit about who you are and but that also is what makes you unique and makes you so special and so um I'm with you I think bringing your your whole self and I'm using a lot of a lot of terms today and a lot of like um you know
0: catchphrases but um I think it's important though because people throw that around a lot that you know bring your whole self to work and like they, they throw it around very loosely but it's so important um
1: so-
0: so, yeah tell everyone a bit about hero communities
1: Yeah. So our hero communities, um, you know, some companies call them BRGs um, or employee resource groups, but we call them hero communities. And that was part of also um, our CSR strategy. Right. So it's under our diversity inclusion um, pillar within our CSR strategy. And that's really just creating spaces in which people can have space to be themselves. Right. To Talk about your whole self at work. and. And, you know, two of our first groups that were, were founded were the Women's Network, um, Deliver Hero Women's Network, but also our Muslim group. And so really just creating a community that they, have people who they can relate to at work and um also our pride community of course um we call them yeah pride proud heroes is what we call them at here at delivery hero and and it's important for people to have um, a space in which they have people that are either advocates for them or they think like them and and into where they just have space to be themselves and of course we want that at work but we also want communities in which they they can really thrive and um, you know, one of the, the science behind engagement, um, if you guys, here's another book, um, yeah, uh, but if there's a, there's, there's a whole Q12 out is, is this whole science behind engagement. So the 12 questions that every engagement survey, sorry, engagement surveys are all based off of. And one of them is, do I have a friend at work? Do I have a best friend at work? And those hero communities are really an environment in which you can really foster um, relationships at work yeah. that might be outside of your team, especially if you're in smaller teams. This is an opportunity for you to really foster that um, that environment, right? And so, you know, that is one of the basic levels of engagement is to really have friends at work, have- people that care about you outside of just your development. And so I think that that's often a missed area because there's like friends at work. I, you know, have my friends outside of work, which is also important. But um, yeah. for us it's really, you know, we want to make sure that we create these pe- these places for people to, to 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 get together and share their their thoughts and their their beliefs, um, whatever, whatever it may be. And so some of the other feedback asking going back to the question you had before was um, people miss miss their friends. They miss they miss seeing people at the work. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the common one I keep hearing from a lot. And even my own team. You know, we did. Uh, It was one of our employees, Ivan, actually, who's who's our producer who you met before we started went live. It was his anniversary, a two year mm. anniversary. I asked the team to send me some videos wishing him happy, uh, happy anniversary. And the first thing that everyone said in the video, which I didn't plan was I miss you, Ivan. Aww. And then a and the message, and I didn't say anything. It's just like a common theme in the messages. It, it, they all started with "I miss you, Ivan," and then the message. And I thought, "Oh, that's so like I didn't I didn't expect that." Um, for, um which is great, um, but also quite sad at the same time uh, <laughs> so that we don't get to see each other um as well. So it's uh, very very important. One thing that always impressed me with you is every time we speak, you're so ambitious, both yourself and the business. And I know that you're also having an ambitious goal this year to donate 10 million meals is it is that is that correct
1: so it's by the end of 2021 so we uh, it's one of our pillars again i keep going about the pillars for csr um giving back is is one of them and giving back environment um, diversity, inclusion, and then ethics are our four pillars under our CSR strategy. Um, and giving back, a, a big piece of that is to give back to those that are, have food insecurity. And um, you know, 9% of the world's population out there actually has food insecurity. And I, I would imagine in, in the current state, it might even yeah. be more than that. Yeah. Right. So we've we've partnered actually with the World Food Program um, to provide a platform and a marketplace for us to be able to um, provide our consumers an opportunity to, to, to donate meals. And so we have the ambition by the end of twenty twenty one to donate at least ten million meals globally. Um, you know, and that's something that you know food is what we do, right? It's what we deliver, and um, we want to be able to give back again an opportunity to to, to impact the communities in which we we are so, so, you know, are so able to, to, to serve. And I think that that's one of those things that you know, there's this theory, there's a psychological theory that's called give back to get back. Um, and I think that these are projects in which our, our teams here are working on making sure that we can provide that in our checkout. How do we pro- put that in our checkout system in order to so people can donate, um, etc. And so I really encourage, you know, anybody to, to think about ways that they can impact the communities in which they operate, um, but incorporate our team members in doing that, because it is a way for them to give back to get back yeah a way just to recharge, to get re-engaged, etc. So yeah, one of our ambitions though for 2021 is to 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 donate 10 million meals. Another one of our, our ambitions is to actually be completely carbon neutral. Um, by the end of 2021, um, we are, as mentioned, a really large business, um, and we realize we have an obligation um, with all of the deliveries that we do. They're not just on bikes; they're also cars. We have a lot of offices around the world mm-hmm. to really try to offset that. Um, and in addition to that, is making sure that we, you know, we we produce 2.6 billion items of waste a year. Um, and we have an obligation to, um, to the environment, to our communities, to do better, to figure out a sustainable way to do packaging in a different way. And so that's another one of our ambitions is to really try to um, come up with sustainable packaging, um, you know, in the next two years. We won't probably get there 100 percent, but we're really trying to establish the foundation of making sure that our packagings are are, are sustainable.
0: Very ambitious. And I love the fact that you're driving this. You know, mm people think when I mean, people think if you if we told everyone about those two ambitious goals the last thing that and that sounds really bad to say they wouldn't rel- relate that back to, to hr having an impact to do that but you are really driving this in the business i know it's uh, it may sound really bad that i said that but it's true uh, that's that's the common thought process and i wanted to bring that up because you're really have, making an impact and, and driving that um within both your hr or your CSR and comms uh, before i wrap up in terms of scaling the business because obviously this is kind of one of the core focuses of today's show it, it all sounds amazing but i'm sure it wasn't easy what what were some of the challenges that you faced personally during that journey and maybe some advice you could give to others that perhaps are going through a similar experience
1: yeah i mean scaling is hard right it's even harder when you're already big <laughs> um yeah. And as I mentioned, you know, um, the, the the best thing that I could have done was to create the vision um, because it was a, we were able to really set the strategy off of that. The other really big learning that I, I think when I look back on 2018, um, and I, it's my mantra now, is don't make assumptions. What I mean by that is, I, I think I might have alluded to it before, is we make assumptions as leaders all the time, that people understand what we're saying, they understand our why, um, and so, you know, if you're doing a new strategy, if you're doing a new process, or if you're establishing anything, explain, educate, and inform, and then do it again. Um, and I think yeah, and that, that
0: again. that's the important part. <laughs> you and then do, it, it
1: again. do it again. And continue to do it again. And okay. I, I make some assumptions that baseline understanding of certain key people, processes, and and, and philosophies we're, were understanding. And or I made some assumptions that um, people understood where, where I was going and why. Um, I communicate a lot. I like to communicate, which you probably have picked up on. Um, but that doesn't mean that I was communicating in an effective way. And so it was really clear to me that I needed to you know, educate, inform, um, and do it again and, and communicate. Right? It was really important. I think that that was a really key learning when, when scaling because you can only scale if the business is bought in right? Um, The business will continue to do what they're going to do. But if you have processes and guidelines that you need to implement, you can't do it without them. And I think that is such a key part that, um you know, HR leaders often do. We go into our, our little office, we come up with these great people strategy, very empathetic, very focused on our people. And then we go to the business and they're just like, what? (laughs) So a thing that I learned pretty early on, and this is the thing I always say to people is make sure your business is bought in. And what I mean by business, I mean, your, your peers, if you're on the executive team, your CEO needs to be your biggest advocate um, and they need to believe in whatever you do. And I think that that was something that was a key learning. And then the last one is a little bit more, um, this is more just a personal thing. Those in Europe will probably do an eye roll when I say this. Um, I, I, I have worked in a global setting my entire career. I started doing consulting in Tokyo. I, you know I've, I've always worked globally. It's very different, though, I think, having been most of the last, last 10 years in the U.S. and then moving here to Europe. And the way that we communicate as Americans is very different um and what we use a lot of words and there i often got asked early on and this was my le- biggest learning point was people lost me after you know i lost most people after the second or third sentence right we always sandwich we do the compliment sandwich you you brits do it too
0: we're no different we, we are very in a very bit, bit more of a derogatory way but yes <laughs> i know where yeah. you're going with
1: that. we're very polite right um and you know, I, I think I got so much feedback at the beginning it was just like, Jerry, what are you, what are you trying to say? You sound great, but like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> um, and I, I you know, I think another, but here's another book. Um, the Culture Map was, it never came to real understanding until I was here. I had worked for a foreign company prior to this too. I I spoke in a different language for most of it. Um, but I still didn't understand it to this capacity until I, I moved here to Germany. And um it's been really kind of refreshing to kind of change and be more direct, but you can still be direct in a in a in a nice way. And so right. I think that' was also a learning for me was you can communicate, but make sure you're communicating in an effective way. Um, and I think again, if you're gonna try to scale, Scale the business. You know, my, my major, major takeaway is um, if you're scaling people, processes, et cetera, make sure you have an advocate in your CEO um, and make sure you, you do processes in which that can scale and that matter. And, that, you know, for us, that was making sure that we put our values into all of the processes that that, we, that are related to people. And that's how you scale culture, too. I mean, it's just that simple um
0: that's it everyone (laughs) (laughs) that's it it's easy it's a wrap (laughs) you guys got that right you got that right guys well thank you so much for taking the time out to join us i look forward to following the growth of the business and you and what's going on closely and uh yeah i wish you all the best until we see you on thursday (laughs) and there on after all right see you see ya
1: bye